Welcome to Visibility Radio. I'm Kenneth Poir, and this program is entitled Just Why It Matters. We'll be talking to people who are subject experts as well as people who live with a vision impairment and other forms of disabilities. My guests and I will cover a range of topics including arts, sports, communications and a whole lot more. Anything that will make a difference to live a full life. So join us on Just Why It Matters. Welcome to Just Why It Matters and I'm Kenneth Poir and today I'm sitting with a fine young lady. Her name is Georgie Beasley and Georgie's just moved up from the country into Perth. Georgie, welcome to Just Why It Matters. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> now, Georgie, I know it's a bit of a nervous time. You've probably been on the radio never before. No, never. <laughs> okay, well, that's always the first time for, every, time for yeah. <laughs> always the first time for everyone. So relax, uh, sit back, and let's enjoy the conversation. Georgie, you moved up from which part of the country? Esperance. So Esperance. Down south. Down south. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. Perhaps let's start off with talking about a little bit about your childhood. You know, were you born blind? What was your family life like? What was it like living in the country for a person who's legally blind? So when I was, like, I was born in Melbourne. And when we was, when I was seven, I moved over. And what, did you live in the country in Melbourne? Uh, sort of. It was only two hours from the city. Two hours from the city, okay. So we were going to travel Australia and then my dad, was, he's a builder, so he was going to work along the way. Uh-huh. And then we stopped in Esperance. And you fell in love with Esperance, or yeah. you did? Yeah, and we stayed in a caravan park for three months and then we brought a house on the beach. And on the beach? He was... Like, well, not on the beach, like right next to the beach. So that lifestyle was really good for us because we were very out family like we love camping and surfing yeah. and going out on the jet ski and stuff like that so going was, on the jet ski yeah <laughs> we um own a jet ski so we take that out every now and then but when I was about to go into high school so it was the end of year seven mm-hmm. so I was 13 I was sitting no so we did this presentation a month before I started losing my vision and um they said, well, the teacher said, what sense would you want the most and why? And I, like, I thought about it a lot. It was something that I don't, like, I, I really took seriously and I never, I never really focused in class at that age. And I don't know why it was something that I really thought about. And then I, like, when I, it was my turn, I said my vision because I love seeing everything and being able to see, like, the scenery and doing things like sport and stuff. And then so a month later I was sitting at the back with my friends and we were mucking around and then I went to look at the whiteboard to copy the work and I couldn't read it. Like, it was very vague and, like... Mm, Blurry. It was like the whiteboard had been, like, wiped out in some spots. And I didn't really... Because I didn't really focus in class, it didn't... It kind of happened instantly where maybe if I was focusing it probably Hmm. I would have seen it coming kind of thing. Yeah. Then I moved to the front of the class and then I just couldn't see red or green writing. So my teacher, who I'm still in contact with, contacted my mum and she let her know that I 
was struggling at school with my vision. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to get glasses. And at the time I was like, oh, no, I don't want glasses. But now I wish I could have glasses. But we went to the optometrist and they said, you're legally blind. No, not legally blind, you're colourblind, sorry. And I said, then they said, okay, go to Albany because we're not really sure because no lenses are helping. And I went to Albany to this, like, elderly vision place so there was only like older people so I felt very like out of my comfort zone and I didn't really know what was going on when my parents came out of the room because I got told to sit in the waiting room he they were like had teary eyes and my dad never cries so it was very like strange to yeah I was I, I understood that there was something wrong and I, I never had heard of vision-impaired people. I always thought it was black and white, like you either had no vision or you didn't. And so when they came out, they didn't really tell me what was going on. They said, OK, let's go back to Esperance. They pretty much told my parents that your daughter is going to be go- going blind, teach her Braille and start to adjust to that lifestyle. And my parents were absolutely shocked because... They, it's like they had never even heard of it. None of our family had any issues like that except glasses. So then eventually they got in contact with the Lion's Eye Institute and now I'm on a trial and they're the ones that diagnosed me with Stargardt's and it took like a year to then know what I had and so once I figured that out, I... I had mm. to slowly learn, it, but slowly lose my vision. So it was like losing something every day while I was trying to learn to adjust to it. And primary, I mean, high school was very tough because it was not only a new environment, but I was living with a new, like, thing that I didn't understand. And I copped a lot, like, oh, can you see me? And, like, making jokes. And I'm a very sensitive person, so those things were very taken to heart and I, like, it eventually, like, simmered down but it never really stopped until I finished school. Right. Because I guess it's a maturity level and I completely understand because I didn't understand it. I wouldn't have understood if someone told me, oh, I can't see but I can see a little bit and stuff. So mm-hmm. I completely understood... Well, I do now. I didn't at the time why they were judging me. Yeah. So it was very difficult, high school. I never really enjoyed it. I used to just not focus in class and just because I was too afraid to use any technology because I was scared I'd get judged. So I didn't do any work until I got to year 10. I had some trouble troubles at school. So I eventually moved schools mm-hmm. due to other circumstances and when I moved, I moved to a private school because there's only two high schools in Esperance. And because it was such a small class, you had better focus on you and they were absolutely amazing, even though they never really had people with disabilities because it was a private school. Normally yeah. the people with disabilities would go to the public school because right. there's a better service there. But they were absolutely amazing. Like They did everything they could to like make sure I was comfortable and I ended up being like a A and B student well, which done. I was an E and like D student in at uh, the other school because I just didn't pay attention because I was too afraid to right 
use the things to help me. But once I did use them, I was so grateful because I actually... Because at the new school, I got to use a laptop for everything. Fantastic. So I just used that to zoom everything in. And it's very, like, handy to have that, like, have, sorry, <laughs> to be able to use technology, like, at this school because it was common kind of thing because right. all the kids used it. And I had a vision teacher, Catherine, who came every term to help me and make sure the teachers would adjust things for me and stuff which was very helpful and yeah she's been great as well so the support has definitely grown over time so I've become way more accepted but it was a very rocky start it was it yeah. sounded like a real rocky start and yeah. you had to go and jump through quite a lot of emotional psychological yeah it was hurdles. definitely yeah. yeah it was like growing up as a teenager's difficult as it is as every teenager can say with another like situ- like something I had to like learn like another thing on top of being a teenager was very right hard to adjust but I figured it out eventually <laughs> <laughs> well I have to say you're a brave um, young woman and you've come a long way I want to turn my attention to your hobbies and your sports. Now, I understand that you've got a bit of an adventurous bone in you. Yeah, I absolutely love sports. Tell us about it. When I was younger, I played lots of sports, and Mm -hmm. I was always willing to try anything. And I stuck to netball and basketball, and they were my competitive sports, and I still play them to this day. And in, like, my, like, just my fun activities I do surfing I've currently started like I've recently started snowboarding and um we go out in the jet ski a lot and like I do like surfing and all those things like I am a big beach person like I love the beach (laughs) so that was so they're, they're those things so I do a lot as much as I can but it's definitely hard to try new things at this point because I've got to learn and like a way of doing yeah. it to, than other, like other people. So still willing to try new things, but it's definitely one yeah. step harder than a normal person. Would have well, to, you know what they so. say, someone very clever and very wise told me that the mother of creativity and innovation is adversity. So when you run up against some difficulties in, in life and you've got the right mental attitude, you'll find another way of doing it. And usually that that helps develop a sense of creativity because you're using an unconventional way. And it sounds like as if you are already developing that skill and that talent. Oh, yeah. I, like, like it's it's exciting as well as daunting to try and find and new frustrating. things. frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating. It does <laughs> take a few times to get right. But it's good to know that I'm unique in that way. Like, I don't Absolutely. have to fo- copy everyone. Like, I can do it my own way. Yeah. And I can be proud that I'm doing it my own way. And That's I figured wonderful. it out for myself because no one else can show me how to do it because <laughs> I have to figure it out for myself. That's wonderful. Now, you made a decision to come to live in Perth. What was behind that decision? What motivated you and inspired you to make that decision? Uh, so, I haven't really told many people but I so there's two things I want to do I really want to go to the Paralympics Mm -hmm. for surfing and snowboarding and I knew my opportunities would be a lot higher 
like my chances would be a lot higher up here than in Esperance because I could find the contacts to do those things. And another thing I wanted to, like that's something I really want to do, but it's not something that is in the near future because the sports I want to do aren't actually in the um, Paralympics at the moment. We've got to work on that. Yeah, I know. I really <laughs> like. I really want to like start pushing it, but like, I don't want to. I don't really know where to start, so I'm not really sure. Mm. But I definitely want to go one day. That's definitely a future goal. Right. But I've moved up because I really wanted to meet people. I've never really met anyone with a vision impairment because I was very in a very isolated town where yeah that wasn't very common. So it was very hard being the only one. And you can't, like, people would try and joke with you about it and you're like, no, you can't joke with me because you don't understand it. Like, That's right. So when I came up here, it was like I came here. It was very confronting because when I was younger, when I first got diagnosed, I used to come up for eye appointments every six months. And when I saw a person with a cane, I would, like, burst out crying. And I, it was like a mixed emotions of I'm scared that, like of the future of where my site's going to end up and I was also felt really bad for the person. Like, it was a very hard, like, thing to watch when I saw people with a cane. But when I came here to Gold Bowl, it really, like, opened my eyes up and made me realise that so many people, like, are coping and they're all so much more inspiring and, like, they really helped me, like, understand that, like everyone got him on with life with a vision impairment and there's a light at the end of the tunnel yeah and That's i right. like it's been amazing to meet people with vision impairment and every time i come here i meet someone new that has a vision impairment and it's amazing because i felt so alone in esperance yeah so that was one thing and then the like my career goal is to open a clothing line for vision impaired people mm-hmm. and I haven't really told anyone yet, but I really want to get it started, so maybe this is a push for me to start getting it happening. So you've heard it on this program. She's going to start a clothing line, and um, <laughs> anyone out there who's willing to give her a hand, put your hands up right now. Yeah, I need a graphic designer, so if anyone knows one, let me know. Okay. Um, but I, yeah, I want to, so, because I snowboard, when I was snowboarding, people would run into you and stuff, and it happens with everyone. But I, it made me think, like, if I had something that, like a brand or, a, like, I didn't want to label because I don't, I don't believe in labelling someone because they have a different circumstance to someone with normal vision. So I don't, like, believe in that stuff. So I wanted to create something that was normal and created equality. Like, I wanted to say vision impairment is normal we're all the same and like we can all achieve the same things and so I wanted to get a brand a known brand so like a logo that says like I'm vision impaired but doesn't say oh like feel sorry for me like I'm I'm happy like I just want to keep going on with life like yeah it's not only going to be for vision impaired people. There's going to be, like, a section for people that are vision impaired that want to let other people know. So, like, with snowboarding, I want to get a label saying visually impaired but have it, like, set out in, a like, a cool way, I guess, so it's not, like, yeah. looked at, like, funny. It's, like, known and, like, doesn't, like, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but the th- 
aim of it is to donate money to eye conditions. I want to raise awareness and like raise money mm. so the money would go towards a good cause That's and true. like it would be there would be clothes for people that aren't vision impaired to support it so there's a logo that is supporting it and like letting people know but doesn't say that that person specifically is vision impaired as well so that's well keep working on it and (laughs) focus and discipline you you might surprise and um, surprise everyone out there yeah i really hope it happens and i hope this motivates me to do it (laughs) because it's the first time i've told anyone but my family Fantastic. So, yeah. That's great. Well, for for every reason I can think of, I think um, you should pursue that dream and um, have everyone rally around you because um, you've got you've got it sort of figured out in your in your mind what you want to do, and that's a wonderful way to start your young life. Yeah, I felt like that was something I needed to do. Otherwise, yeah. I'd get stuck. Like lots of people my age don't really know what they're doing, but I felt I'd need to know what I'm doing because it's a little bit harder. Now, I want to turn our focus to your experience coming into the city. How has it been for for you since moving up? Has it been a, a big shift in adapting to the environment, to interaction with people in the city? Well, yeah, I um, in Esperance, I rode around on an electric bike because everything was five minutes away. I... Yeah, so the traffic and the distance is very difficult. So I had a few run-ins with bad, like, pub- like, like mistakes when mm. I was trying to figure out the transport. So the first time I tried to figure it out, I was trying to get off the train and I didn't know that you had to press a button on the side to open oh. the doors. And everyone saw me run to the door because I was running late. And they just watched, and I was like, I didn't know what I was doing, so I just stood there until someone else got off the train, and I realised that you have to press the button. So, And then I got stuck in the heat, because I didn't know the bus services at the next train station. So I got stuck in the heat for like an hour and a half. It was like on a 36-degree day, trying to find my way back to the other station. And I, um, So that was definitely a learning curve. I... Um, was a bit like like I didn't really understand that the city life is a bit more fast paced and yeah. there's people in like the city that don't really care how you feel because I got my phone stolen which was a big bummer like I didn't think that people would do that so I've learnt like that you have to be careful up here because there's a lot more people and a lot more things do happen we're in a small town you know everyone, so nothing can, bad can really happen. And I was a bit naive to think that it'd be the same in a big, bigger place. Yeah. So what has it been like interacting with people? I mean, do people ask you difficult questions here or are they a little bit more apprehensive about interacting with you? What was your ex- experience been? Well, it's been really good. Like, it's been really good on my confidence, like... I feel more confident speaking to people and I know even if I do embarrass myself, like, I can't see something. Like, sometimes I go straight past the sign that says don't go past this point and stuff and I know when people look at me funny, I'm never going to see them again. So that's how I think. Like, it's been really good and interacting with people, they've been very understanding and they do, under like, they've seen it so they do know that, it's a thing here where in Esperance no one understood when I said oh, I've got an eye condition. So 
it's been good because I've met some lovely people and have made some good friends already. So it's been really good and I've really enjoyed the social side of things up here. Yeah. Now, it's all exciting, the city, but as you say, you've got to be watchful and have your wits about you because um, it's a completely different environment from living (laughs) out in the country. Uh, You'll meet and you'll run into people who are wonderful and you'll run into people who aren't so wonderful. Um, So what do you think is in store for you over the next one year? Are you going to still hang out here and develop what you have set out to do in terms of your ideas? Are you thinking about any education, um, educational goals? So I I need to find a job. So I came up here without a job, which has been a bit hard, but I want to find a job soon. And on the side, I want to start the clothing line. I really want to get that started. And I, I haven't really thought about it. I just thought I'd get up here... I'd understand the place. I'd have I knew I would have more opportunity, which I've already had amazing opportunities, like meeting new people and like I know that there'll be good out of moving up here. So Georgie, you've got all these ideas. Now how are you getting these ideas out into the public domain? So a year ago I started a Instagram and Facebook page, mainly Instagram, called One Less Sense. One Less Sense. Yeah. Okay. So it was firstly to start raising awareness and like advocating for blindness and helping it kind of helped me accept what I had kind of thing it was very motivating because lots of people had very positive feedback so when I started that I wanted to get the word out there and then eventually I like thought of this idea to create like to start the clothing line so I was thinking if I get my followers up on this page that could be a good like adv- like a good advertising point for me to start my clothing line and also share my story and where I like like am and where I was and how I feel like I talk a lot about my experiences and the downs and ups and try and be as honest as I can to that's help great. other people kind of thing that's great that's wonderful i think it's a brilliant idea put a story behind a brand fantastic yeah, yeah. Well, Georgie, we're running out of time. Uh, It's been lovely speaking with you. And you'll always have friends here at Visibility. And I want to thank you for your courage. I want to thank you for your positive um, mental attitude. And also thank you for taking the time to come and chat with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to be on this show. (laughs) Well, we've been speaking with Georgie Beasley and she's a young woman who's moved up into Perth and she's got big dreams and she's got lots of talent and we wish you all the very best. Thank you. Until we speak again, this is Kenneth Poir signing out. Thank you for joining us and that's just why it matters. I'm Kenneth Poir signing out. This episode of Just Why It Matters was edited by Keith Tan.